Hey everyone, welcome here. I'm glad you're joining us. We are starting a new series called Joshua, Stand Strong. And really, it's a story of a guy who is likely living a life that he didn't anticipate living. And he's leading millions of people, and he wasn't likely anticipating that as a young man. If you turn with me in your Bible to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, this is where Joshua is now. Uh, he is God's man. He is the new leader over Israel. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 is where we're going to read from today. But our passage that we're studying is verses 1 through 11. Uh, but verse 6 is the one we want to read. So if you turn with me to Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, if you do not know where the book of Joshua is, in the beginning of your Bible, there's a table of contents. People worked really hard to put it there. Don't be ashamed to use it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Here's what it says. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much for this time that we can have together and looking into your word and trying to understand what it means to be people who are strong and courageous. And so Lord, as we're looking into how you interact with Joshua, and as we're looking into what patterns we can maybe glean from that, I pray, Lord, that we make you number one in our lives and just align ourselves to you and follow you well. In your name I pray. Amen. So I truly believe this statement that I'm about to make, and I think you will likely as well. And it's just simply this, especially by the time we get to the end of this particular message today. Be strong, being strong and courageous is a decision that we make and that God enables. I'll say that again. Being strong and courageous is a decision that we make and God enables it. And what we're going to find in this passage is that on four different occasions within these 11 verses, God says, it's kind of like a command to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And so there's something unique taking place here. I want to suggest to you that uh, nobody wants to be called weak and cowardly. Nobody. As a matter of fact, we get offended. We get seriously offended when we get those kinds of accusations. Why? Well, because we, when we hear this idea of being weak and cowardly, the, these are fighting words. They're words that get our backs up against the wall. We want to kind of lash back at somebody. He's like, don't you dare call me weak. Don't you dare call me cowardly. And we want to be considered strong. We want to be considered courageous. We want to be counted on in tough times and trusted in uncertainty. I mean, that's what we want, isn't it? That's how we want our relationships to function, how we want people to be able to see us. And the only problem is, is that, well, I just don't always feel strong. And I don't always feel courageous. And that's a problem. And the problem there, I really believe, is that 
Strong and courageous are not feelings that we have no control over. They're actually decisions that we make in the face of difficulty and in the face of uncertainty. They're not based on confidence in self, but rather they're based in confidence, uh, in an unwavering trust, in faith, in God. And so if our unwavering trust, if our confidence is in God, and it's, and that's where we're getting this sense of security in order to be strong and courageous, uh, and I think it's a little bit more stable. Look, this, this is important, and I think the reason it's important is that if being strong and courageous were just based on my ability or your ability, then it would be inconsistent at best. Like at the best of times, it's just inconsistent. And I think this is why most people don't share about Jesus or they're not experiencing excitement in following Jesus. Their strength and courageousness is based on themselves rather than a faith in the one who goes ahead of them and the one who's present with them. Now listen, if we get this, we will not be governed in fear by fear in talking about Jesus. I mean, think about that for a second. If we truly understand that God's call in our life is to be strong and courageous, why? Because he's present with us, he goes ahead of us, we already know those things, then what is there for us to be afraid of? We can have confidence in him, which allows us then to be strong and courageous. But if the confidence is in me and what I can or cannot do and my insecurities, well, then how likely is it that I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm, I'm going to be governed by that fear. Uh, I want to suggest to you that if we get this, that we'll be more likely to step out of our comfort zones and step into service. You hear that? Stepping out of our comfort zones and into service. And I also want to suggest that we will trust God more and we will grow deeper in our relationship with Him. Now, those are the effects that can happen if we get this truth, if we understand that we are to be strong and courageous and being able to be strong and courageous is a decision that it's enabled by God. If God enables us to do something, then we can do it. Because our confidence is not in our ability, but in His. There's a story of a, of a young man. His name is Hosea. Uh, he was born Hosea to his father Nun. Uh, he was a member of the tribe of Ephraim. He was born in Egypt as a Hebrew slave. And times weren't going well for the slaves when Nun named his son Salvation. And this reflected a hope that God would raise somebody up to save the slaves. Uh, it was this desperate hope and desire for salvation. When Hosea was born in Egypt, God's personal name wasn't even known among the people yet because Moses hadn't come yet. And when Moses has this conversation with God and he says, listen, if I go to them, who will I say sent me? And he says, I am that I am. He gives this personal name. They hadn't had that yet. And so Hosea means salvation or a desire for salvation. You see, it would have been impossible for Hosea to have the name that he became known by because that name was impossible to exist. They didn't have 
God's personal name yet. But that set the stage in the history of God's personal name. Sorry, however, now that at this stage in the history of God's personal name being known among the Hebrews, Moses does something incredible with this young man. Moses changes Hosea's name to reflect this new reality. And his name went from hope in God's salvation to, are you ready? Joshua, whose name means the Lord saves. That's a great name. That's a great name. It's interesting to uh, point to consider that while Moses was able to lead Israel up to the promised land, he wouldn't lead them into the promised land. Now, I think it's also important for us to know that this doesn't surprise God. God doesn't grow in his knowledge of something based on the experience of his people. God knew what was going to take place. And so he knew, he knows that Moses would not end up ultimately leading people into the promised land, but he would lead them up to the promised land. And and, and you ready for this? This is fantastic. The one who is named Yeshua, Joshua, or get this, in the Greek, Jesus would lead them into the promised land. Think about that. Think about the message that he's already sending about who ultimately saves already back in the book of Joshua. So I want to take a look at how Joshua could be strong, how he could be courageous, and then what we could then learn from it in order to be able to be strong and courageous ourselves. So the first thing I want to note is that one of the ways that Joshua was able to be strong and courageous is that he actually stood on the promises of God. And just like that old hymn, right? Standing on the promises of God. I don't actually know how it goes. Anyway, but there's an old song that talks about standing on the promises of God. And if you read verses 1 through 4, here's the promise. Here's what it says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all the people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am going to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will be exalted from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. I mean, that's a lot. What a promise. It's a huge promise. Though, through God's, though God's servant Moses has deceased, he is dead, he is no longer present, God's plans, God's promises, they didn't hinge on Moses. Moses being there or not had nothing to do with whether or not God was going to enact His promises. And so he comes along and he says to Joshua that the God of Moses is the God of Joshua. He makes promises. He keeps promises. It's about him, not the man of God. And God is comfort in this moment. He represents comfort in this moment. In moving Joshua and the Israelites forward, he comforts Joshua to remind him of the promise that he made to Moses. 
And so he's essentially saying here, I was with Moses, I'm now with you. Moses was my man, now you're my man. I told Moses that this land is yours and through you it will be. In verse 3, what I promised to Moses, I will fulfill in you is the idea. Your territory will be huge. And so if Joshua is going to be strong and courageous, he must stand on the promises of the word of God. God gave his word. And God's promises will offer Joshua the confidence to move forward. Can you catch that? God's promises will offer Joshua the confidence to move forward. If we're going to accomplish what God calls us into and instructs us to do, then we must stand on His promises as well. But here's the problem. The problem is that many are sitting on the premises instead of standing on the promises. Many of us are sitting in the premises of our church buildings or of our homes in front of our TVs, and we're just sitting, waiting, instead of standing on the promises of God. And when we stand on the promises of God, we have confidence in God, and we're then able to make movements for God. The first thing that we see is a pattern in Joshua's life, just immediately in this passage, is that Joshua stands on the promises of God. And we know that that's true because God is the one who begins to remind Joshua of those promises. You see, what Joshua was walking into was dangerous and scary. And God says to him, listen, here are the promises. I got you. I was with Moses. I'm with you. And everywhere your foot touches, it's going to be good. So the first thing is that we got to stand on the promises of God. What has God promised us in the Scriptures? This is critical. There are promises that we have in the Bible. And if we lean on these promises, we're going to have confidence in the one who makes the promises. Secondly, it would be this. We need to recognize, we need to see His presence. Verse 5. Verse 5 says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So how can Joshua lead with confidence? How can he confront the battles that he's got coming up ahead of him? Well, he can because the same God that was with Moses is with him. And God actually just states it. A God that will not forsake. A God that will not fail. And that every place that the sole of his foot touched will become their land. Every step that Joshua took, God says he's with him. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. No one will be able to stand you all the days of your life. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. And so God stresses again that he will be with Joshua as he was with Moses. Now let's understand this. This is a critical statement. We need to recognize that God is present, that he is with us. God reminds Joshua that Moses, Moses wasn't alone in his calling. God was the one who worked through Moses in the same way that God will work through Joshua and remain present in it. And so we need to understand that God doesn't mess around with his presence or with his glory. He doesn't. He is the 
omnipresent God, which means that he's present in all spaces and in all times, that he is the one that will cause Joshua to succeed. It's not Joshua who succeeds. It's the Lord who succeeds through Joshua. And Joshua is the man of God, but God is still God. And so in the same way that God didn't need Moses to conquer the land of Canaan, that he was going to do it. He is able to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, even without Joshua, and yet he chooses Joshua. And he reminds Joshua of the promises, and he reminds him that he'll be present with him in this time. God's presence is important for us to remember. Joshua needed to see the faithfulness of God in their past in order for him to have confidence in it for their future. So in other words, as Joshua is unfolding this picture that he has in front of him in terms of what they walked through, the desert wanderings, the plagues in Egypt, the coming out of Egypt altogether, he remembers what God has done. And God remained faithful to his word. And so he's able to then look forward and say, all right, Lord, you were faithful then. I know you to be faithful in the future too. And I place my trust my unwavering confidence in that. Today, those that are adopted as children of God have a similar promise, that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He didn't leave Moses or Joshua, and he's not going to leave anyone that he calls his own. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, Romans 8. Nothing. He will not leave you. We've got to recognize his presence, see his presence. The third thing that we see that Joshua needs to needs in order to be able to be strong and courageous is this idea of God telling him, you got to stay the path. You got to stay on that straight and narrow path. Verses seven and eight. They say this: be strong and listen, very courageous. As he's relating what it means for Joshua to remain straight and narrow, he uses this word very. It's the only time in this passage, in the four times that he says, be strong and courageous, this is the one time that he says, be strong and very courageous. So he says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. That's interesting to me. You see, if Joshua is to be strong and courageous, he must stay the path. He must not turn to the left or to the right and not compromise, not become distracted. And I mean, think about us. How often do we get compromised in our faith? How often are we distracted that, you know, we, we say, yeah, God, I want you, but I want this too. Or God, I want you. I really, really do. Oh, wait, green apple. And we're distracted by the thing over here that looks shiny. And God says, don't do that. Don't turn left. Don't turn right. Stay on the path. Stay going forward. Don't get distracted. Uh, don't get detoured from what I'm calling you into. You must stay the path set before him. And, and so one of the principles I think we can learn from this in Joshua's life 
very specifically, is that faithfulness is key to becoming strong and courageous. The more faithful I am to the things that God is calling me to, the more likely it is that I'm going to be confident in the Lord so that I can be strong and courageous. Faithfulness is key. And sometimes we're just going to get tired of the grind. We are. We're just going to get tired of it. We're going to feel like giving up. We're going to feel like giving in. But we just got to, we got to stay that path and, and keep going on it to the end and not be distracted and pulled into this thinking and that thinking and this argument and that argument and this sin and that sin and just stay looking forward. Stay looking forward. See, God blesses faithfulness. Compromise leads to chaos. Distractions, well, they often lead to destruction. Faithlessness leads to just extreme difficulty, but faithfulness leads to fulfillment. And if we're being faithful, or actually, actually the question should be for us, are we being faithful or is it possible that we've gone off path and, and that God is calling us back? I actually think that's what's taking place right now. I truly believe that God is challenging us to set our priorities and to evaluate what those priorities are and, and to make that which is ultimate, ultimate, which is Him. And that we need to keep that in focus and we need to move forward that way. Not turning to the right, not turning to the left, but staying focused, heading in the direction He's called us to head into. He tells Joshua, don't go to the left, don't go to the right, don't get distracted, don't be deceived. Move forward. And I believe he calls us to the very same thing. And then, of course, lastly, we see Joshua's response to all of this. In, in verses 9 through 11, it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You catch that? There's this constant reassurance. Don't be discouraged. It says be strong. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Why? Because I'm going ahead of you. The Lord goes ahead of us. And He's going to be with us wherever we go. Wherever we go. And so Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, we will cross the Jordan here to go and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you for your own. And what God told Joshua would have been no good if he had not begun to assimilate this plan. It wouldn't have been any good had Joshua not been compelled to move forward into what God was calling him to move forward into. In this verse, Joshua begins the process. He moves. He takes action. He steps forward. Joshua believes what God has said and begins to demonstrate it. He begins the journey of bravery and courageousness. And it's not enough to just simply know the Word of God. It's not enough to just see and sense His presence. 
we got to put into action what he tells us to do. And so Joshua now begins that process. He takes action and he begins the task of moving forward. The fruit of the promise of God and the presence of God is faith in action. When we truly, truly grab on and stand on the promises of God, and when we truly experience and believe the presence of God, we move and we move forward. So Joshua starts with God and he ends with God. In the middle, he experienced the faithfulness of God because this is who God is. You see, I don't know if you know this, but I think you probably do. God binds himself to his promises for his glory and it blesses his people. You, you hear that? God binds himself to his promises for his glory and it benefits his people. And this is about him. Joshua gave marching orders from God to Israel and was promised the presence of God in them. You see, that's the pattern of God. You want to talk about patterns again? Let's talk about the patterns of God in this. He gives marching orders, and then he promises his presence, and he expects his people to move. That's what he does. He gives marching orders, he promises his presence, and he expects his people to move. And so how about us? Where are we at with this stuff? You see, we hear the word of God. We've sensed his presence. We believe that he's present in all spaces and all times, that there's nowhere we can go that he isn't. We've experienced his leading, but are we still sitting? What are we waiting for? Let me give you an example. <clears throat> so Joshua in the Greek means Jesus. That's how his name is translated. And so in Joshua, the book of Joshua, we have God saying, hey, here's the deal. Here's your marching orders. And in those marching orders, I want you to know that I am present with you. And then we see the expectation of God on Joshua to tell Israel to get going. Jesus in the New Testament does something very similar. In Matthew 28, 19 and 21, here's what he says. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, here's the marching orders. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to what? Obey everything I have commanded you. So those are the marching orders. We are to go, we are to baptize, we are to make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded us. So this is what we're to do, right? So this is the idea of don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right, obey everything that I have commanded you. And then Jesus follows it up. Here's the pattern. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is God's pattern. He gives marching orders. He promises his presence and he expects his people to move. Be strong and courageous is a decision we make that God enables. And if we get this, we're not going to be governed by fear in talking about who Jesus is. We are more likely to step out of our comfort zones and live like Jesus 
And we'll be able to trust God more and grow deeper in our relationship with Him. But most importantly, in all of this, is this, is that we need to be faithful to Jesus, who He Himself is faithful. So what's one thing this week that you can do to trust God this week? One thing that you will be able to walk into and say, okay, Lord, I am going to trust you in this. Whatever that is, it could be something small, and it could be something significant. But, but here's something to understand, it is this, it's that Jesus has given us our marching orders, He promises us His presence, and He is faithful. I would encourage you to make the gospel the thing. Make it the thing. Step out in some way to express who Jesus is, not who we think He is. Like, just point people back to Him, not to rules and expectations, not to um, our whatever ideologies, to Him. And so my encouragement then would be this. Let's just get going. There... There's ground to cover. There are battles to win. There's jobs that are unfinished right now. Let's be strong. Let's be courageous. And let's do this. That's what happened with Joshua. God was imploring to him, Joshua, let's do this. I will be with you. You be strong. You be courageous. Don't get discouraged. Don't be afraid. I go ahead of you. I am with you. And Jesus does the same thing. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Son and of the Father and of the, sorry, the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I will be with you always to the end of the age. It's nothing to fear. Let's place less confidence in ourselves, more confidence in Him, so that we can be strong and courageous. I encourage you to continue joining us in this study on Joshua, Stand Strong, so that we can all learn together through the life of Joshua, through the experience of the Israelites with God, how we are able to stand strong in Him and for Him. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank You so much. I thank you that, that you are faithful. I thank that you are present, that we have these promises that we can lean into. And I thank you, Lord, that, that you're the one who takes on all the pressure, that you're going ahead of us, you're beginning a work of ministry that you're inviting us, inviting us into. And so, Lord God, would you help us to be a people who decide to be strong, decide to be courageous, rather than the default spot for us, Lord, is to be fearful. And if we're honest, Lord, weak. May we be strong and courageous because our confidence is in you and in what you say you will do because we believe that you are faithful. And so Lord God, with our weeks that we've got, I pray Jesus that you will bring to our minds the thing that you're asking us to take a step of faith out into, to be strong and courageous and trust you in. In your name I pray. Amen.